Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. All right, how we doing, guys? Good morning. We make it through this last week. We're here, so okay, yeah. I was uh, with my family bouncing around. Last week we were in Detroit, then we drove from Detroit to Ludington, then Ludington to Traverse City, then last night Traverse City back home to Kalamazoo. So we've been uh, bouncing around a little bit. Thank you for giving me space to just stop and breathe in the presence of God this morning. Um, I get the chance this this morning to actually kind of tee off this 21 days of prayer that's coming up in January by just looking at uh, looking at prayer. Looking at a couple things. One, um, acknowledging that you know prayer can be hard. I'll just say it. Prayer, prayer can be difficult. It can be confusing. It can be mysterious. Uh, and there's certain things that keep us from prayer. And I want to just try to address a few of those. And then I want to just call us to a life of prayer. Whether that's something that you would say, yeah, that's, I'm already there. Or you'd say, yeah, right, that's not me. Wherever you're at, I want to just, those are the three things this morning. Hope to get into, this is our teaching text that we'll just uh, use this morning, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, prayer is a universal part of being human, universal aspect of what it means to be human. This isn't just a Christian thing. This is across the board. All of humanity prays, really above whatever their belief system is. They pray. Uh, Here are a few statistics about prayer. According to a recent Gallup poll, more Americans will pray this week then we'll exercise, drive a car, have sex, or go to work. More Americans will pray than all those things. Nine out of ten people pray regularly. Three out of four people claim to pray every day. Seventy-five percent of the people that you are in and around in, in any corner of this country, average, three-quarters pray every day. So I want to look at, just from a big picture, why do we as humans pray? This isn't just a, a Christian thing. Why do, why do we as human beings pray? I want to give you three main reasons that we pray. The first reason that we pray is because we're grateful. Whether we know where to direct that gratitude, where to direct that thankfulness or not, we're just thankful. Not always, but at certain moments in our life. Have you ever experienced a moment of just transcendence where you're caught up and you don't know how to, how to, what to say or if you're with somebody, you're, you're both like, We're just, this is so beautiful, whether it's a a beautiful sunset or a mountain range or something in nature or something in family, the birth of a child, the, the, this, the, the beauty of, of life. There's moments where there's just this thankfulness that wells up and, and we, we don't always know where to put it. I'm talking we as, as human beings, but, you know, you even hear people say, the universe, like, there's something rising up in me. I need to express my gratitude somewhere. One of the reasons that we pray. Um, Another reason, again, speaking in general terms, that we pray is because we're angry. 
and we need to direct that anger somewhere, right? Why did this happen? How could you let this happen? And, and really, the, the, the atheistic response, even for the atheist, is not satisfying, right? You know, it's all, death is just a part of the cycle. It's all going to burn up anyways. Just chill out. We're all going to spin into, like, this, this whole universe is going to explode and there's no meaning in anything, okay? So just be okay. You're okay. And it's like, no, stop it. I'm mad and someone's, it's someone's fault. This is not okay. This is not right. Whatever it is, I'm angry. That anger is then expressed upward. This, this cry of the heart, why? How could this be? What happened? Why is this possible? That's, that's an aspect of prayer. And then we as humans pray because we're vulnerable. And there's certain moments in our life where we're, where we're aware, we're acutely aware of our own weakness, our own vulnerability, our own inability to do anything about what's happening. Our own, inab- our own lack of control. You can't control what, what's in your life. And you're utterly vulnerable and it's at those moments in particular where you, even if it's just a Hail Mary, let out a, a, a cry of desperation, of God help, someone help. Let there be something beyond me to intervene into my situation that I have no control over. So everybody, everybody prays. And so that might be news, right? We think, ah, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm just like trying to fight this thing out and pray and be faithful with this. But when I, when I realize that, I'm like, oh, this is actually something that I can identify with most everybody on. That there's this thing in me that, that, that wants to express gratitude, express frustration, express my own lack of ability and need somewhere. And we can, we can uh, map that onto most of uh, humanity, according to the stats I just read. So, a few things about prayer and what it does to us. Now, when, when I looked into the research, okay, you know, it's hard to quantify the effectiveness of prayer on the object of what we're praying for. And science, you know, they, they don't like to say that. But what is clear in the, in the general public research is that prayer does something to you. There's a work that it does in your own heart, in your own life. Now, I'm not saying, I'm saying, yes, God does answer prayer, and that is the thing, although there are unanswered prayers that we have to wrestle with, which we'll get into. But what it does in us, just a few things. One study, people at high risk of depression, using MRI screening, uh, those who prayed regularly tended to have a thicker cerebral cortex, which has been associated with less depression and anxiety. In In another study, urban children with asthma coped better when they prayed. Another study found that prayer is associated with less heart attacks and quicker recovery from heart surgery. Uh, so, so in general, scientists are, are, are acknowledging something is happening when, when we pray. And again, this is, over, this is mapped over all people. So this isn't just Christian prayer. This is, this is something in our neurobiology that's changing, that's happening when we pray, just to, just to say. And yet, when we bring it inside the, the, the people of God, now we're getting in particular inside the church, inside what it means to, to know God and follow him. What's our experience of prayer? If you were to have to, if you were to, have to put one word to what your, what, your, what your experience of prayer is, what would that word be? 
Now, there's a good chance we're all over the map on this, right? Some might have a, a more positive word. Some might have a more ambiguous word. Some might have a more negative word. But I want to create space for us to at least acknowledge that prayer can be hard, right? If, I, if, if I'm looking at a few words that I wrote down about my own, if I, there's a couple of words that come to mind when I think about how I describe my prayer life or just prayer in general. I could say inconsistent, Disjointed, strained, spotty, confusing. There's times where I'm like, oh, I'm in it. And there's times where I'm like, what am I even doing? What is happening here? I'm like way more aware of it all and like hyper analytical and all that. So wherever it is for you, the space is created to acknowledge that, hey, this isn't something that we just have in the bag. Something that we get to grow into and figure out what does it look like to live a life of prayer. Right? We've been invited to know God and walk with him. We've, that's, that's done through this, through this interaction that's called prayer. So what does that look like? You know, one of, the, one of the first things that we, uh, that we this is actually the, the, the passage that we're looking at today. It's one of the most common passages that we, that we learn as, as a new Christian. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Let your requests be made known to God. But I want to acknowledge today as well that um, that we, we can enter into our relationship with God and it's and it's it's good, right? Eternal life. This is great. This is this is amazing. This is good news, God. You love me. I love you. This is awesome. Wow, my life has changed. And then you get into life a little bit. You 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 live it. You live it out a little bit longer, and then and there there can often be these these uh, unprocessed things, these things that that we didn't realize that that were that were that were a big deal, but now they're they're coming up, and and we have to wonder. Well, we get to a point, and I'm and I'm generalizing here, but maybe you can identify where where, where we have we have a decision to make, right? Whether whether you realize it's a decision that you need to make or not, maybe you're in that moment right now, where you're saying, okay. Either I'm going to walk with God in, in real intimacy. I'm really going to actually walk with him through my life. Or I'm just going to kind of live a generic Christian life. I'll go to church. I'll do my Bible studies. I'll, I'll talk to people about God things. But I can't really face the stuff because it's too hard. I can't really look at the, at the stuff in my life that... That is, that is holding me back because it's actually painful. And it's, it's, there's, there's something that hurts there. And so I just, I'm just going to, I'm not going to walk into the wound and lean in and really grow. I'm just going to actually be a little bit less of that and more just generic getting by. But I want to propose to us today uh, this quote, from a pastor in New York City, John Tyson, he writes this, the reason we struggle with prayer is that we've not brutally, that we're not brutally honest with what's happening inside of us when it comes to prayer. Uh, what are the disappointments that we haven't dealt with? Right? What are the wounds that, that haven't been healed? What are the lies that we're believing about ourselves, about God, about all sorts of things that, that we haven't actually acknowledged that are keeping us from living a full, abundant 
life of prayer. And so let's look back at this passage here, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. An amazing promise, but if we're not honest with what's in our hearts about prayer and about God, we're wasting our time. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, pray. What if, now again, this may not be you, but let's say it is. What if the thing that you're anxious about is prayer? That's a bit of a quandary. That's a bit of a, wait, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to do here. What does it look like to be a person who walks with God closely and intimately through the ups and downs of life? So, I want to just look at a few potential anxieties, right? Don't worry about, don't be anxious of anything. Okay, what are some things about prayer that we could be anxious about? The first we'll call outcome anxiety. Does prayer really work? If I'm going to pray for something, is anything going to happen? Right, and there's several kind of pieces of this. There is the reality of of modern science, right? Something that, Different people are for or against to lesser or greater degrees. But if you go to the doctor, in many ways you're for it um, because it's, it helps you. Okay, everything that used to be, here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the idea, right? That you could subtly just kind of buy into and let kind of whitewash your whole thinking about prayer. Everything we used to call miracles is really just science, but we didn't have the technology to explain it. Okay? Right? Farmers used to get together. There was a drought. We pray. God, send the rain. Now we, instead of praying for rain, maybe we just dig wells and irrigate properly and use Monsanto seeds that are more robust and have larger yields and can, can make it through the difficulties, right? And you can Monsanto everything in life. You can manipulate it and, and make it work for you with science. And so, and so you, life hacks are, are all over the place, right? And so, and so, okay, pray, right? But in reality, the things that we used to call answers to prayer are really just explainable through modern science. And so a lot of people have that in their hearts about life. We're, we're worried about the outcomes, but we think the most of, most of what is answers to prayer is just science with that didn't have language for it. Okay, right? There's science. And then there's just like past disappointments in general. That there's been this, there's this sense that God has let you down. Right? And we don't want to say that. We don't want to acknowledge that. We don't want to even put those words, but it's there. It's somewhere there that we have to look at it. We have to feel it. We have to say, What's that thing that's there because it's preventing me, it's keeping me anxious about coming before God in prayer? What's the thing that, that, that's clogged your spiritual arteries? What's the, what's the disappointment? What's the hurt? What's the pain that's, that's preventing you from coming before your God? We really prayed with faith and nothing happened. The person dies. The cancer doesn't disappear. You didn't get the job. She doesn't come back. And you're just like, I don't think 
that prayer works. So I'm not going to say it. I want to be a good Christian. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suppress it, and I'm going to get on with life. But there's this wound, there's this disappointment, there's this thing that happened that is t- completely tainted the way that you think of prayer and of God, and it, it's, it's, it's messing with you. So, um, we at least have to acknowledge that some of us don't pray because we've been too hurt. And the thought of really honestly asking God to do something and believing that he will when we know he might not is just too hard. And so, we settle for not looking at the pain, not walking into the wound, but just kind of making it through this more uh, kind of surface level Christianity. And then we have, um, you know, friends and therapists that we'll talk to about God. But sometimes, which I, which I, I, I endorse therapy, counseling, the whole deal, friends are a, a gift, right? Community. We process through life with people. But often we, we let it be a substitute where we'll talk to people about God, but we won't talk to God about God. About the stuff that we're thinking and feeling and and going through because there's something there's there's something there in the way okay so all this there's more to say but all this is outcome anxiety what if nothing happens what if something doesn't change i'm anxious about that and so it prevents me from a real life of prayer okay then there's uh motive anxiety if if outcome anxiety is about what might happen motive anxiety is about what's inside your own reasons for praying all right, you, maybe you just don't see yourself as a candidate for, for being a person of prayer. You have an idea of what that looks like. You say, hey, are you a person of prayer? Well, I, in my head, I think of this type of person, and that's definitely not me. So, I'm just, that's just not me. It's just not the type of person I am. Uh, so, no. Um, yeah. You can make all sorts of excuses, all sorts of reasoning, but it's, you look at yourself and you say, that's not me. I'm just not that type of person. And then there's uh, just what, what, I could, what could be called God anxiety. That you don't, we don't really believe in the God we're praying to. And so, just as a little exercise for us in our own, in our own minds. When, when you say, our Father... Who is that? Like, when you say, Father God, whatever, whatever you know, name that you, you begin your prayer with, who is that person? Who are you praying to? What do you really think God is like? Can you really trust him? Is he good? Does he like you? What sort of mood is he in? When you go to approach him in prayer, how does he feel when you pop in? How does he feel about you? Have you ever really settled that issue? Do you know who God is? Because that's huge, man. If we don't settle the issue of, of God's disposition toward us, of who he is, of his abundance, of his power, of his love, then, man, we're going to come up with all sorts of weird postures even when we come to approach him in prayer.
It's a quote from A.W. Tozer. He says, when, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so we can just ask ourselves, what, what comes into my mind when I think of God, when I go to approach God? What is it that, 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 that I think of him? And we're going to have a chance here to, 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 to come before God with all this stuff, by the way. So keep it in your head. Whatever's there, whatever, as I'm talking through this, whatever's there, we're going to have a chance to just respond to God in prayer with the things that are keeping us from prayer. So, a few things uh, to know to grow in prayer. The first one is just to pray what you've got. To pray what you've got. So, a few case studies from the Bible. Right, just we're not. We won't look in depthly at, at scriptures, but just these personalities throughout scripture. Right, you have Moses. He prayed what he had when the Israelites were being ridiculous and stiff-necked. He prayed, "God, why would you give me this stiff-necked people?" And then he, on the mountain, he says, "Show me your glory, Lord." He prayed what he had. Whatever situation he was in, it, it was turned into prayer because there was a conversation happening. He didn't just take his refined, elegant, theologically correct prayers and turn them to God. It was every day, all day, because it was life with God. You can think of David, right? King David, man after God's own heart. Slash them on the rocks, O Lord, and create in me a clean heart. You lead me by streams of water. You can say, oh, my motives are jacked up. Bring your jacked up motives to God in prayer, and let him deal with them. But don't wait to sort out your motives before you come to him. Just bring whatever you have. Pray what you've got and bring it before the Lord. You think of Elijah, right? Some little teenagers are making fun of his bald head. And he's, he prays the Lord sends a bear to maul these young men. Wow. I don't know how I feel about that. And then he's, he's the same prophet who's done, you know, more miracles than any other prophet in the Old Testament, praying down the power of God on Mount Carmel, on the, on the, on the altar that's soaked in, in water. He prayed what he had, whatever was there. He's praying it. You have Jesus going around doing good, healing those who were oppressed by the devil. And yet on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's, he's praying what he had, whatever was there, whatever emotions, whatever feelings, whatever frustrations, whatever, whatever's there, he's praying it, right? You're just praying what you've got. You say, uh, well, I can't pray all night, so don't. That would suck. I can't, you know, not to say you shouldn't, but, but just don't do it. If you can't do it, don't do it. I can't be up here praying for people with that, no, like, that's not me. Okay, then don't. But what can you do? What can you do? Can you pray for two minutes? Okay, do that. Pray what you've got. Okay. Oops, here's one. Yeah, let us lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. C.S. Lewis. 
Consistency, not intensity. Okay, once in a while, I go to the gym, lift some weights. We, we know this principle in life, but sometimes we don't realize it in prayer. If I were to, to just start, you know, I haven't worked out in a while, I'm going to get in there, I'm going to get intense. I'm going to max out on everything. I would be so dead the next day that I couldn't even walk. But I was intense, right? I did it. I made it. But I, there was no growth. It was just foolish. Sometimes we pray like, you know, trying to win the lottery. And once we've won the lottery, we're going to figure out how to, how to, how to understand money. But we realize that once we know how, how money works, we don't really need the lottery. Because you just know how, you know how money works. And so, it's progress, not performance. There's no formation without repetition. It's consistency. It's, it's developing a consistent life of prayer daily. Pray what you have. And the next piece is pray where you are, right? Jesus talks about a prayer a bunch. One of the things he says is, go into your room, close the door, pray to God. Well, that's great. You should do that. But God is with you wherever you go. Pray where you are. If you're in the field, pray there. If you're at the diaper changing table, pray there. If you're making a meal, pray there. If you're in the bathroom brushing your teeth, pray there. Pray where you are. Pray what you have. Pray where you are. We, can, we need to stop trying to escape life thinking God is somewhere else. Anywhere can be turned into an altar of encounter through prayer. I don't know if you've heard the story of Susanna Wesley, but she was uh, off, she's called the mother of Methodism because she was the mother of John and Charles Wesley, these uh, 18th, 17th century revivalists in England. I want to give you a bit of history about her life that, that applies to this point. So, Susanna Wesley married a minister. Uh, they had 19 children. Nine died in infancy. She was desperately sick most of her life, plagued by debt. Her, her husband would often leave her for long stretches of time for different reasons, and so she was left to, to tend the house, milk the cows, educate the children, whom she taught both Latin and Greek as well as other subjects. Twice, their home was burned to the ground and they lost all their possessions. It was assumed that church members did it because they hated her husband's preaching so much. When she was young, uh, she committed to the Lord that every hour that she spent in entertainment, she'd spend in prayer and the word. And so, but you can imagine with that many kids and that much going on, it's how do you spend any time with the Lord in, 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 in devotion. Um, and so she, she set out when her kids were young. Um, she said to her children, when the apron is over my head in the kitchen, leave me alone, I'm talking to God. And so she removed her shoes and this became holy ground. And she didn't, she didn't see it coming that this rural wife of, of uh, 
all these children in, in this crazy situation would, uh, would raise two of the greatest revivalists in church history. But John and Charles Wesley um, leave one of the greatest imprints on church history that we can look back on. Uh, John Wesley preached to over a million people in open-air meetings, still even at age 70, able to speak to crowds of 30,000 with no microphone, um, was uh, acknowledged as one of the key voices in turning England away from a massive revolution similar to the French Revolution. Uh, the founder of Methodism and Wesleyanism and all sorts of off, offshoots of that and then Charles Wesley, kind of the, the Hillsong backslash uh, Bethel worship guy who wrote over 9,000 hymns, hymns that are still sung to this day. All coming from a home plagued by debt with a praying mom who would create space wherever she was in the craziness of life to put an apron over her head and say, this is holy ground. She just prayed where she was and pray what she had. And so really what we want to do is just say, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and acknowledge the stuff in our hearts that's keeping us from, from that. The disappointments, the hurts, the pains, the frustrations, the, the, the lies, the stuff. And I don't know what it is for you, but, but there's, there's abundant life that God has for us. But we have to be willing to, to face ourselves and give all the stuff to God in prayer. So if your heart is breaking, pray what you've got. If you're deeply disappointed, pray what you've got. If you're excited and things are going well for you, pray what you've got. If you're confused and disoriented, pray what you've got. Wherever you are, whatever you're facing, pray what you've got. And so I just want to um, invite us to just stand together this morning and just have a time of, of bringing that stuff before God. Sure. We're going to enter into this 21 days of prayer that Pastor Mark has felt the Lord uh, leading this church into. And this, I want you to see this season as just a chance for, for God to, to mark your life. For you to just say, I'm not trying to be intense for this 21 days and then go back to normal. I just want to grow to be a consistent person of prayer. Not living off of emotion, not living off of the hype of what I'm feeling from prayer, but just consistent, faithful, daily coming before the Lord in prayer. Knowing Him deeper and being known more deeply by Him. And so I just want you to put out your hands in front of you, just in submission to God. And if anything that, that, as I've been talking, anything that's come up, any, any 
disappointments, any unanswered prayers, any doubts that, that you just had there and, and you've just kind of tried to ignore or tried to turn away from and just hope they would go away, but they, they're, they're interfering. Any deep suspicions that you have, any lies that you believe about the goodness of God, about the faithfulness of God, about the love of God, about the power of God. We're bringing all this stuff and we're just bringing it before him with open hands. And we're saying, God, you can have it. It doesn't mean it's going to just go away instantly. It doesn't mean that the disappointment is just evaporated. It doesn't mean that the doubts just dissipate. But it means, God, you can have access to it that I'm no longer going to turn away from you when it comes to these things. But I'm actually going to give you my disappointments, my, my grief, my doubt, my pain. I'm going to give it to you, God, because you can handle it. We don't have anything that's going to shock you. See our hands, Lord. Remove our anxiety around prayer. It's a humble prayer, but it's what your disciples asked of you, and it's what we ask of you, and it's just, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Just let the Lord minister to you and the stuff that you're giving him. Let him him look at it. Let him pick it up and, and hold it. And hear what he says. I just pray, God, right now that you'd just speak, that we turn our hearts, our attention to you, Father, and that we would uh, just hear your voice speaking over us. The reality of God with us. The comfort of knowing that you've been there the whole time. 
Have mercy on us, Lord. And teach us how to pray. I challenge you to take these upcoming 21 days and put a stake in the ground. Say, I'm no longer willing to just live this nominal life, if that's you. I want to go deeper with the Lord. I'm willing to face this stuff, maybe for the first time. And I want to do it in community with my brothers and sisters in this designated hour of prayer for this church. So this is a call to begin or maybe be renewed in a lifestyle of prayer. And again, strip away the images that come into your head when you see that, when you think of that. It's not about what anybody else is doing, but it's about walking with the Lord deeper daily, knowing Him more, Him knowing you more, giving, you, giving Him access to every, every, every part, the good and the bad. This is an invitation for New Day Vandalia to grow in prayer and to look back on the beginning of 2020 and say, God did something in those 21 days in me that I'm so thankful I chose to to commit to this. And so I just challenge us to take that And make it something. Lord, our prayers just simply teach us to pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.